My name is Jimmy, sometimes Jimmy J, and sometimes Shay. This is a podcast about human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the Twilight Conversations. Episode 73. First things first, Mary C. Lynch interviewed last week, huge response, lots of feedback. She's amazing, she's prof- sounds so professional, she knows her stuff, got so much help from her, she's courageous, would like to hear more, uh, what a woman. And so it goes on. Great voice. There's another one that came in. Um, um, people are very curious about that. And that would have been like health professionals, people in that situation, maybe contemplating, God, I think I need to breathe and remember her. I think that's going on for some people. Um, the one guy, <laughs> the guys who's passed on to the Coercive Control Association, the CCA, and I've sent out word to them that I am doing workshops on testicular fortitude. Um, you know, no one has signed up yet. <laughs> they haven't the balls to come. <laughs> Wasn't it wonderful when Mary said, grow us I mean, it was such a lovely, simple phrase that we use, but we all know how uh, steeped in wisdom and, and depth that saying was. Grow a pair and, well, fuck off and grow a pair. Just give us a bit of space. Particularly that piece, you know, because when she was saying it, it was sounding like, oh, are you saying walk away? Absolutely not. They, if they grew a pair, if they could fuck off and take a bit of space and could grow a little bit for a second, they might walk away. I'm not saying they can never have a relationship with their kids. Who am I to deprive that of somebody at all? But give, give these people a bit of space. You know, if you get a moment's truth, you have to cause mayhem. And if you want to, you know, make amends in any way, give them a bit of space. But look, there you go. That's going to be an ongoing journey, I'm sure. But anyway, lots of feedback. Thank you, Mary C. Lynch. Um, I'm I'm so used to her, Mary Carol. You know, when you met someone for that's their name, and she's very much Mary Lynch, um, her marriage name, um, and she's both. So thank you, Mary, though she will be doing part two, I'm sure. This side of Christmas, I'm not sure, possibly, uh, definitely uh, in the new year. As also with um, Louise McDonough, we'll be doing a part two as well about her experience as a a traveler woman, uh, a traveler girl. Um, Her experiences there, she touched on them, she wants to go into more detail about the discrimination, the abuse, the the blocks, the all that type of stuff, growing up, marrying into a settled family, which is, as you know, can happen quite a bit now, um, and what that was like, her journey into psychotherapy, and so much more. So we'll have uh, a lot of women power, um, Mary McDonough and Mary C. Lynch, um, who are both singing from a similar hymn sheet in many ways, you know, um, you know, very powerful uh, females, you know. And, and just to say, a couple of men came in and s- s- said, God, you know, we're not all like that, Jimmy. You know, they're a bit, because Mary was saying it's mainly men, and the statistics show that it is. And she also acknowledged there are men 
who have been subjected to coercive control, uh, extreme narcissism, dark tetrad stuff. Absolutely, 100%. But I think uh, in the statistics, there are, there are more, because of the whole structure of society, the whole, the way systems are patriarchal and all that stuff, I think you probably got all of that. But men were, had a quiet response to it and were saying to me they felt uncomfortable, even though they didn't do anything, you know. And I often get that. I feel uncomfortable on behalf of males as a species sometimes. It's like, come on. What are you just doing? What are we doing? Not even, you know, that's, we've got to be secure enough to be able to share power. You know, it's, it's not fucking rocket science, you know, it's a, yeah. Anyway, there might be another podcast on that from a male perspective of power, perhaps something like that. Might, might have a look at that. Okay. So that was Mary, the very courageous, the dignified, the, uh, amazing, um, courageous, funny, highly intelligent, very interesting, Mary C. Lynch. Okay, so on to episode 73. I did make reference. Why have I got Bowie Rebel Rebel written there? It must come back to that. I often jot things down and I forget why I jot them down. I think there's a little story about that. I might get to that. We'll see. So I made reference that I would come back. This is almost like a part two to Sorry, Are You Boring Me? And again, that had quite a response as well. Most of it positive. I don't really get any negative uh, feedback. Uh, maybe some challenges or I see it this way or look, yeah, that's that's fine. Or, you know, actually Mary C used to say to me, I'm walking along, listening to your podcast and I'm arguing with you, you know, uh, I mean, there's no fundamental disagreements, just different angles on things, and we've had those conversations. So that's great, you know, I love that. I'm far from saying, like, this is how things are and should be. It's just one person's perspective on life, you know. Um, so, yes, it's a kind of a response, uh, a part two to, sorry, are you boring me? And some people felt I was a bit, a little bit harsh with, the, you know, are you boring me? To, to those that are that like to play those games or whatever, whoever I'm referring to. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm open to that. I did say that, and I, I could also borrow other people, I don't mind. But what I was really referring to, you know, there's different ways to look up boredom or boring when you're boring me. I don't mean it in the, in the kind of like way, like, oh, you're so dull, you're boring me. Like, we, we all get it, that's life. We have to deal with the mundane and the ordinary and the vanilla, all of that stuff. I mean... If I replace boring with I'm not I'm uninspired, it doesn't I'm not interested or I, I I love when you're like that, but when you pull that shit, it's like I lose interest in you or the project or the group or whoever it is. It it just kind of sucks the life out of me. It's like that's the feeling that has on me. So um it was just a catchy little phrase, wasn't it? You know, I, I, well, we can all bore each other and understand that. So I'm not some elite person who's totally exciting all the time. I don't like all that constant excitement stuff anyway. It's not real. So I don't mean it in that way, but I mean it, the type of stuff I was describing, particularly the kind of the ghosty type stuff, hot, cold, on, off, I'm into you, I'm not into you, like you don't, I'm all over you, I'm not all over you, that type of uh, dance, if you like. It doesn't make me want to be a better man. <laughs> you know, it's like, Nah, you know, 
And I was also making the point that they may, and I don't know, they may be unaware of it, but they may think that makes them elusive and exciting and interesting. It doesn't, because uh, I was, I'll come back, Stevie Nicks will be quoted a lot later on, but I was reading something about her earlier on, um, how she, uh, I think she's 75 or something now, and she was describing herself as, she was talking about the, a lot of the young women today and they're all like, they're showing too much and they're, you know, and she wasn't being prissy about it. She was just saying like, there's no need. She said, I don't really find that sexy. She said like, sexy is being mysterious without trying to be, you know, without showing. And she's right, you know. It's like, yeah, okay. It's like, is that all you got? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So I get that, but I will be coming back to Stevie Nicks for sure a few times. Um, she features towards the end. Stevie, come on in. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I'd love to interview Stevie Nicks. Uh, that would be amazing. You know, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Hmm. So this podcast is going to be looking more, I'm, I'm calling it um, Different Strokes for Different Folks. Each to their own. Like it's a choice thing. I want to explore more relational styles, communication styles. I've done a little bit of that, but particularly in this area, what... What moves you? What way do you want to be seen? What way do you think you come across? Uh, how are others coming across to you? Who's in your life? How are they in it? Why are they in it? What's the the core piece that keeps it going? Particularly if they're consistent. I don't mean the flash and the plan jobs. Are like, oh, this is great. Gone. You know, <laughs> like, where are you? That not not them. We've all had them on and off over the years. You know, like, and they're great in the moment, but they're gone. You know, there's 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 the, it's it's not a long-term thing in that sense. People that you have in your life and have had for a long time and or even the people you've just met but you really feel, yes, these are a keeper. And I'm talking about friends, connections, love, romance, the whole gamut of love, right? Uh, in the general sense, what's what's our energy signature? Why, what, what are we attracted to and why? What, and then what happens when we get into... Uh, a more deeper, real connection with someone, you know. What about all those games? And like this, as I said, there are lovely games that are not harmful, that are just playful, that we can have with each other. But I kind of draw the line when it gets to that other stuff I described, you know. Now I had some people saying they like the other stuff and they they would find the person who does that attractive. Hey, knock yourself out, you know, it's great. I, I don't know. I mean, only you can, and, and that's why I'm saying different strokes for different folks. That's okay. And, you know, so to whoever I, I said that about and they're feeling a bit like, oh, is he fucking like he is? I would believe that other people would find you exhilarating. <laughs> Good luck. It just wouldn't for me. And, and you know, and again, I'm not for you. You know, that that's uh, energy signatures that don't go together. They're, they're, they're chords in the wrong key, you know, kind of thing. Uh, so how do we know when we're in the right key with someone? We're going to, ah, you know, there's certain things, isn't there? There's certain flavors. There's certain, you know, complete non sequitur crazy now. Milk. What's the fucking story? Milk cartons. Have you had this experience or those plastic bottles? And I don't know why it happens or how it happens. And I've explored this in depth. And you know I'm a tea drinker, so I'm using milk a lot, even though I only use a tiny drop of milk. My tea's like mahogany. I hate milky tea, but I need to have the milk, right? So every so often, for no apparent reason, and it seems to be random, you buy a carton of milk, 
you open it for your tea and whoosh, it's everywhere. It's underneath the car. It's like, and, and you're, you're, you're tilting the same way. Did I do something different? I go, maybe it's a once off. I have one of those rogue fucking things at the moment. <laughs> I was like Homer talking to, what did I ever do on you? <laughs> um, and you think it's a once off. Okay. And considering I drink tea a lot, I'm going again, but I'm getting a little bit anxious. I'm going to the fridge and I'm wondering, how's this transaction going to be now? You know? And I, I'm really careful, maybe too careful. And I do a little flick because I take it and whoosh, there it is everywhere. I'm thinking, that's the very same carton that was here yesterday, the same type, and it, it just flowed beautifully. Boom, boom. Answers on a postcard. Why does that happen? A bit like when you get jugs of milk out in a cafe or the tea and it, and, and some people go, ha ha ha, it's easy, Jimmy. You're obviously doing something wrong. You know, they, they, it's, you have to do this. They do something with the lid. I don't know. But so jugs, sometimes teapots and I'm a teapot connoisseur, you know, this little beauty I have here, never had that problem. So there you go. And, and Karen, what is it? And for some reason, when, when you spill, no, no point crying over spilled milk. When milk spills, it just seems to go fucking everywhere, doesn't it? It's not like water. It's just, it takes ages to mop up. And so that's happening. And I don't know why. And I think I need some radical acceptance around that. <laughs> that would drive me mad. <laughs> hey, there's milk for you. Yeah. Hmm. So that's roughly what I'm going to explore in this particular podcast to broaden things out, to, to say it's it's a choice. We're on to different choices as to how we relate and why we relate in certain ways in, in relationships when we connect with people and get closer to people. I think we'll accept, I've said this before, and I think you would all agree, if that happens to be in a romantic or intimate way, I think the principles are the same, but there's a slightly different frequency and there are slightly different not the rules change, but you do, there's allowances made, aren't there? I, I think I could be wrong about that now, about, you know, rules of conduct, rules of engagement, you know, because they can get mixed up. Uh, that's why fuck bodies don't work. <laughs> the rules get all mixed up. No one knows what's going on, because there's never really a fuck body, is there? The, there's always something else happens, whether you like it or not. And you're kind of going, where is she? <laughs> I don't think that works, but if it works for you, great, look knock yourself out as I say but there's something different when we get intimate or our hearts are involved in that way in terms of how we relate there is a more intimate connection there is a much more vulnerable connection um, and it's quite different than the, the friend connection but it needs to be friendly so uh, it doesn't work quite the same I could be wrong about that but I, I've always felt and anyone I connect with well would understand that Um and me them doesn't mean there isn't a misunderstand but they're they're quickly you know they're sorted out quickly because you understand that basic premise you know um that it's, it's not because it's different to solid friendships that you have and if there's no connection you, you're confident you know why that is and if it's off key or something you can say well is everything okay and they go ah yeah sorry i was just and it's different right would you accept that yeah we'll move on so, and there's all different kinds of connections from our family members, our siblings, parents, if they're still alive, colleagues, groups of people we're involved with, different groups, close friend groups, intimate groups, lovers, one or more, whatever may, you may have, whether you want to call them lovers or not, uh, whatever that is. Right across the fucking board, mate. 
Oh, welcome. Oh, fucking welcome. Right. Because I've got a hunch that when you're in that, you, me, and we're not always aware of how we're coming across. I mean, I'm owning that too. I don't know. Always. I feel I've got good people who we mirror for each other, you know, and working as a psychotherapist. I think it's a, it would be a crazy profession to go into if you're not okay at being exposed to looking at yourself because every time someone comes in, they're mirroring to you. So there's no getting away from, you know, uh, their story may be different, but they're human and their stuff is identical. So it's not the profession you need to be in. So I'm not saying by no stretch I'm an expert. That could be a hiding place also, I know. But, you know, I would be used to kind of reflecting a bit and kind of going, where am I in that? Maybe sometimes too much. I don't know if it can be too much. Um, and maybe not allowing someone else to take their shit on board, you know. I'll come in and sweep it up a little bit. I think we can all do a bit of that. That's what I want to look at more. What What's going on for people? What's going on? I'm asking you all, what's going on for you in those connections? How do you assess them? How do you understand? How do you negotiate the rules of engagement? Is that explicit or implicit? You know, because I can make the mistake, and I'm sure we all kind of thinking, well, that's a given. And... But that's a mistake because givens aren't always a given. I know with certain individuals who I'm very secure with, it's an absolute given, certain things. Like that's the way it is. I could put my life on it. But in those other ones, as I said, where you've got that loose connection, that wire is going, you know, all through my life, if ever I got that in the beginning, I've always known it's not going to end up great. You know, I've always known that's a loose connection. It's, they're a nice person and everything, but the connection's not good here, really, you know. Uh, when you're feeling like, oh, I better not do that because the, the wire will come, it'll come out, you know. So it's not a secure connection. What makes a secure connection? You know, if you want to risk um, going deeper into it and being yourself, really being yourself, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to be full, in the eyes, the loving gaze of another, you know. You've got to have a secure connection for that. And it's absolutely delightful when that happens. And you absolutely know you're not going to get ghosted. You absolutely know if the other person isn't in contact within a reasonable period of time, right? Or you them. It's for a very, very good reason. It's not like some mind fuckery going on, you know, people pretending they're like, oh, I forgot, you know. Um, it's very, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, sometimes you're kind of going, are you really saying this? We're both adults here. Do you really think I'm going to buy that? You know, that, I know I can get a great kick out of that, not in the moment because it's really uncomfortable, but I look at it later on and kind of going, what do people be thinking you're going to be thinking when that's going on, you know? Um, but it's, it gives me great comedic value later on. It's like, for fuck's sake, you know? But however, I, stand corrected again because people are saying oh, I'm, I'm good with that Jimmy I'm good I, I like that so okay you know and so tell me why you like it what do you, you know what how do you find a place of solid ground in yourself if you have a connection that's kind of tentative great sometimes a bit bland and vanilla quite a lot of the time and then just fucking awful you know how what, how do you do that or, or maybe maybe it's not for you but maybe or maybe you're not experiencing it that way i don't know that's what i'm really interested in well you know what makes me me the way i am 
or you the way you are, you know, and the people I really connect with that I, what, what, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. You know, it's, it's a bit like that field phenomenon I spoke about and I have no idea why it is. I, I love it. But just certain energy connect. I just know you know the person like boom. This is absolutely fine. You just know it. if there's a problem, we resolve it with a minimum fuss. You know what I mean? Uh, and then there are others where it's a nice connection, but you can kind of this isn't going to work. And they may have great connections with other people, but they're not having them with you. So I'm just really interested in all of that. So different strokes. What are those strokes? We're all different folks. What's the strokes we're looking for? Funny, strokes is a term that's used um, in a book by Eric Byrne called Games People Play. He was from the 60s, late 60s, um, a psychoanalyst. Um, very interesting book, a lot of transactional, TA, transactional analysis stuff in that, you know. But very interesting, kind of the psychological human being games, human beings play to try to defend themselves, the masks we wear to protect ourselves from vulnerability, from hurt, which is what it's usually all about, if we keep it simple. Um, he talks about strokes as a term that's often used when we encounter people. I say hello, you say hello back. Oh, that's a stroke. You said hello. Yeah, he gives that example. You know, you meet someone every day, walk to the shop, morning, morning, and they say, this this day, Glenn Hansel spoke about this from a different perspective. To say the person doesn't say hello, it's like, oh, you don't get your stroke. You know, and they're just common social contracts, you know, and how that affects you at a very mild level. So imagine that at a deeper level when you're anticipating in a healthy, structured way, in a healthy, secure way, that someone will respond the way they've been behaving and then they don't. It's like, oh, that's a big stroke that you're missing, you know. So the different strokes for different folks. So the strokes I like are honesty, integrity, uh, kindness, warmth. Uh, I'm sure millions of people love these things. It's not, it's not rocket science, is it? You know? Uh, and the funny thing is the people who I would have struggles with to probably say they like all those things too. So how do we, what happens there, you know? Uh, life, a little bit of conflict resolution. How do human beings, how do we coexist? even though we think we want the same things, but we've got different ways to get that, or there's a different quality or flavor to those things, you know. Obviously, I love the uh, humor, you know, I mean, black humor, to be able to laugh at the depths of despair, it's great, you know. Uh, not not laughing at, not sneering, I can't stand, but laughing with and at ourselves and with others, you know. Um, people that are upbeat and positive, no, they can be really sad. It's, that's an attitude. It's a kind of an attitude thing, really, isn't it? Um, it's an, it's an energy. See Stevie Nicks later on. I'll come to that type of stuff, what that means, right? Um, so, um, I'm preparing my tea. There's a link in here and, oh, there's a couple of arcs with an arcs here again, which you know I love interconnections, little connections to connections with the music and films and stuff. So um, I was talking about games people play, right? And um, there was also a song back in the late eight, late, late 60s, sorry, by Joe South called Games People Play. Na, 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 na. You, if you're my age, you remember that. I remember it as a kid. I think it's had a few, uh, people have covered it quite a few times. I think it's a reggae band in a circle, do a nice version of it. And that's what they're singing about, the games people play. It's really a great song. Um, and yeah, you know, we kind of all play them. It's acknowledging in the, in the human family. 
And my next link in, when I was making my tea and doing a bit of a bit of boogie in this earlier on, about half an hour ago, which was an hour ago, it was to the Trucks Tedeschi band, right? There's a name. And that's Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks was a slight guitar virtuoso, amazing guitarist, connected to the Alman Brothers, just brilliant. He married Susan Tedeschi, again, hot, beautiful, blues guitarist woman. He's a great, husky, sexy guy, right? So they married and they got out their band, they formed a band together. They both had their own bands, they formed a band together. And they do a, a lovely version of the old Sweet Inspiration song. Do you know it? It was out in the late 60s by a band called Sweet Inspirations, funny enough. But uh, that was a kind of a soul version, really nice. But Derek Trucks does a really bluesy, very sexy, fucking great version of it. Lovely. And it's great to move to. It's got a lovely beat to it, lovely. And his amazing slight guitars running through it, you know. And it's speaks yeah you don't have to explain it. i need sweet inspiration what inspires you that's what i'm asking that's why this song is so good and it was lovely to to bop to to move to you know because you can really feel it you know and it's very simple it's a bit of like give and take isn't it you know i think one of the lines is a man in love needs sweet inspiration and there ain't no telling what a satisfied man might do he could reverse that beautiful simplicity often in the simplicity you get the depth and beauty don't you you know, those games people play, they get to fucking, uh, does that mean, do I have to wait an hour now? Did she, did he, when he did that, did that mean? And you're trying to do all that stuff. That bores the life out of me. It's just, actually, maybe it's not even boring. It kind of, it irritates me. It hurts my brain. I don't like it. It's like, you know, can't we be real and simple here, you know? Um, subtlety is beautiful in the right places. So Derek Truck's band, um, Sweet inspiration. Here's an arc within an arc, right? So they also do a lovely cover of Everybody's Talking at Me, right? The Nielsen song. Remember Nielsen from the two episodes ago? The coconut? He put the lime in the coconut. That's Harry Nielsen. Well, his song was Everybody's Talking, right? That's going to lead me into now when I was about 14 or 15 in the mid 70s. Um, get the arc within the arc here, right? So keep that in mind. Keep Harry Nielsen in mind. Everybody's talking. And I, myself and me, mate, we were, I don't know what we were meant to be doing. We were meant to be going out drinking. You know, we're 14, 15. Go to town. <laughs> I don't know what we thought we were going to be doing. Get this, get that. Da, da. Anyway, for some reason, we decided, let's go to the movies. You know, let's go to the movies. And uh, back in, 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 in those times, that long, long time ago, um, you could get two movies. You get a double bill, right? Which is fucking amazing for just a couple of quid, right? A beautiful double bill. And this particular night in the Savoy, there was a double bill of Dustin Hoffman films. The Graduate, which is superb, and Midnight Cowboy with John Voight, which is brilliant. Everybody's talking is the main theme tune through that. Uh, Harry Nielsen's Everyone's Talking and uh, Derek Truck's Sweet Inspiration does a version of that. I love that link in there, right? 
I get a great kick out of that. I'm easily satisfied and pleased. That's all I need. That's what that's what floats my boat, right? <laughs> Love that. Get a nice tingle inside of those types of connections. Um, it feels like a link or a thread through everything, you know. Um, anyway, the point I'm going to make with it is this, right? So, back in those times, it was still legal to advertise cigarettes. Park Drive, uh, fucking Major, number six. Major was the best smoke. Um, tobacco, pipe tobacco, you know, on the telly. But particularly, I think the telly started to be banned. But in the films, they used to be able to get away with it, right? And there was this fantastic ad, you know, advert. And you see this beach, and I think it's nighttime. And these lovely white horses galloping gracefully down the sand, down the sand, on the sand, down the seafront. Sea waves crashing in there, manes looking, you know, magnificent as they fly along. But six or eight or ten of them. Great, great sight. This is for number six cigarettes. Number six was a cheap oil cigarette, right? However, in the background, the music that was playing was the Commodore's Easy. You know, easy like a Sunday morning. What a wonderful song for cigarette smoke. What There's two disparate, you know, like, there's a mismatch. You know, that beautiful scenery, these wonderful stallions or whatever they were, booting along the strand, you know, looking fantastic. And uh, this fantastic, soulful tune for <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> Something up there, wasn't there? Anyway, but that was my abiding memory. And, of course, that's my intro into the song Easy which is part of this podcast. It's one of the songs I want to use uh, to describe, I suppose, what moves me, how, how, how my soul expresses itself. How and You know I do that through music, as millions of people do, you know. That's what a lot of people like in this podcast. The ones that listen like the music connections, I think, quite a lot. And like seem to like similar music. Um, as I said, people often send me tunes they like. Oh. So the Commodores, Lionel Richie, 1977. Why in the world would anybody put chains on me? I paid my dues to make it. Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be. I'm not happy when I try to fake it. Great lines. No, no, no. That's why I'm easy. I'm easy like a Sunday morning. Beautiful lines. Beautiful lines. And then it kind of, boom. I want to be high, so high. I want to be free to know the things I do are right. I want to be free, just me. Oh, yeah. And then you get the iconic guitar break. You know the one? Brilliant, brilliant. Thomas McClary, I think, was a guitarist on that. So it's one of those brilliantly known guitar breaks. And he goes, Ooh, and it comes in. Brilliant. Doesn't that song capture something? I think everyone likes that song because easy makes you feel easy, but it's a deeper kind of an easy. And that's what I want in communication. I want to feel easy, you know. Don't, I suppose we all do, really, don't we? I want to feel easy and that, that it's easy, that we don't have to work too hard. Um, I think we should work for love, absolutely, but not not in that sense, you know, that it's that there should be a lightness and an easiness and a transparency, which is, you know, I find irresistible. Some people don't. You know, and that, that's okay. I don't know whether they're afraid or it just doesn't, you know, doesn't rock them in any way. They're kind of like, yeah, I don't like that. 
Yeah. I want to be subtle, man. You know, I want to play my fucking games, yeah? You know? Chicks love me. You know, those guys, the fucking chucks love me, baby, you know? And I just, I love stringing them along and blah, blah, blah. You know, those type of people don't like what I'm saying about this. They certainly would be different strokes. They like that stuff. They like the kind of shadow play and fucking in and out and, you know. And, and some people like doing that with them. And I think they both think it makes them look cool. And to each other, maybe it does. And so I've got to stand back, hats off, and say, go for it, you know. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean to say you don't. Um, and there's lots in between, isn't there? There's lots of other ways and styles, ways to be, you know. Anyway, that's the brilliant Commodore's Easy. Easy like a Sunday morning. What a great line. Great, great line. It's just a feel-good song, isn't it? So there's a film I want to connect you with for that particular tune. And it's a brilliant film called Baby Driver. And it was 2019, not too long ago. Um, brilliant piece of acting by, oh, what's that guy's name? Er, er, Ergot. Really handsome dude. And what's the girl's name? I remind you of my parents now on the rare times when they sat in the same room watching a picture as my father called it he never called it a film that's a great picture he'd say and the two of them would be trying to who's, who's that actress da, da, da. I remember saying that before Jeez. I'm having one of those moments now anyway the film is Baby Driver the song Easy is used beautifully in the film you know there's a thread of that through the film there's great music and there's a lovely T-Rex reference there's some great car chases Kevin Spacey's in it he's brilliant in it there's really good stuff in it uh, Jamie Foxx I think is in it the guy's in, involved in a, a criminal gang he's a brilliant driver but he wants to get out of that scene and he, he's looking after his grandfather who's hearing impaired and uh, he meets this girl in a, in a cafe anyway and they have this magical relationship develops and it's just beautiful um, a bit hard hitting at times as well and the music through it is superb the way they use it. But think of the song Easy, go watch Baby Driver. You won't be disappointed. Um, oh, um, Anslot, that's his name, yeah, El Elgot, I think. Ansel, that's it, it's an unusual name. And she is something, Lady James, I think maybe is her name. She's a stunner, he's really handsome, they just, they're lovely together. Um, it's a real great romantic twist to it, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. So, I'm also, I might be drifting back in time occasionally here as well to, I suppose, describe some of the, the songs or music that I would say moves me or, you know, what's that out of the word? Motivates. You know, makes me curious, you know, uh, puts me on the scent of the magic of life, you know, which is definitely there, you know. And I'm thinking of a particular era, late 80s, mid late 80s, early 90s that I'll be referring to, even mid mid 90s as well, actually. Uh, Ballymun scene, sitting around with a few of the lads till late in the evening, smoking many cigarettes, drinking many mugs of tea, discussing 
women, life, relationships, music, you know, the universe. What's it all about, Alfie? Great, great nights, you know. You know, and the music like Beth Orton, She Cries Your Name would have been there, you know. You'd be 40. There's such a wide range of music. Leonard Cohen could have been blasting in the background. Johnny Nash. Floyd, always Pink Floyd. Uh, lots of these different bands, you know. And we were trying to work out the kind of stuff that this podcast is about. What are you into, man? What are you, what's, why do you like horror? You know, what, what goes, I'm just trying to get underneath what it's all about. You know, myself, Niley Guy, Huey Greaves, uh, Jeff McGuire, maybe, Fags. Sparky a little bit. He was on the periphery. He was like, what are you all bleeding talking about? <laughs> what is that? Um, now he loves all that type of stuff. Um, but there were, there were great times, you know. So, what I suppose I'm asking you to look at, you know, an interesting on the back of, of uh, what Mary C. Lynch was talking about when relationships become insidious, sinister, and dangerous, you know, that's tied into also what I'm referring to here. And I'm not saying all people that play those games are, no, they're not at all, but I'm saying in terms of are we clued in? What do you, what am I looking for? What do I want? What do I need? Do I have a sense of pattern of, you know, when I see someone, I'm drawn to a friendship or a work connection, or do I know what's happening? Why I'm drawn to this person? Are there, you know, Mary spoke about those red flags, which we'd seldom want to see in the, the, the honeymoon phase or the love bombing phase. But, you know, what would happen if I did see them and say, as, as Mary said beautifully, I don't think you're for me early. You know, how much hassle and heartache would you save yourself? And I don't even mean if they're, they're going to be one of those dangerous people, even if they're just not the right fit for you. You, you know that. I often don't want to admit it, but I kind of often know it, but I just like that there's a nice bit going on at the moment. I think everyone likes those beginning bits, you know. Um, but I'm kind of also with my peripheral vision kind of going, oh, oh that's not good. Yeah, and they, they could be too, you know. Again, that's what I'm stressing. That's why I'm doing this in case it came across as like, I have this one way of communicating that's really brilliant and it works. Absolutely not. I have a way that I prefer. I've got preferences for sure. Um, and it's okay to honor that in yourself. And I think you have preferences, and that's what I'm asking you to look at it. What are your preferences? You know, what do you like? How do you want to progress? Because it's all about relationship, whether it's with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family members, with our current lovers, with potential lovers, and whatever else that might be out there. It's all about relationships, isn't it? Makes the world go around, you know? I don't think it's really money. I think it's relationships. Then the money comes in, you know? Oh yes, I had a thought. I knew I meant to say something. Um, in terms of uh, what Mary C was speaking about, and what I often speak about, the dark tetrad, those personality types that are uh, coercive controllers, or you know, destructive, uh, gaslighting, harmful game playing, all that type of stuff, right? There is, you don't need to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a psychotherapist. And I'm not talking about diagnosing now, just to know for yourself when you're in and around one of them. There's a sure sign, there's a, a telltale sign 
if you just watch someone for a little while, you will see it. You don't need to get it. It'll be really obvious to you. Foolproof way to know. For me, I'm in the company of a dark hole, right? And it's very, very simple. I used to have old-fashioned terms like there's no place in that country, but that's a bit of a jokey thing. But it, when you're around someone who just cannot or will not take pleasure in somebody else's joy, uh, allow someone else to be happy, these people seem to be allergic to anyone other than them, and they're never happy, right, ironically. They don't like other people doing well. They don't like other people getting on. They don't even like people just living and let living. They want, they like destruction. That's the only way they can kind of exist. I'm here, look, I'm causing this. But just watch, that's your telltale sign. Can they be happy for another person? Now, the more sophisticated of them might play that out in public a little bit. Oh, I'm so happy for you, you know, but because the communal narcissists, they'll do it like they, they do a lot of charity and stuff. So they like to be seen. But all behind closed doors, on your alley, what are they like? That's when you'll find out what are they really like, you know? This, the two different ways where you find out about someone when you're on your own with them, and then I love watching them when they're with someone, when they're, you're out publicly or socially, what way they are, just do they change, you know, and all that type of stuff. And we all change a little bit, but I mean significantly. So, so there's your assessment tool straight away. You know, have a think about it. Do you ever think of, before I knew anything about like dark tetrads, you know, or uh, narcissistic personality disorder or any of that type of stuff, psychopathy, sociopathy, I was meeting those people all my life and they always just appeared to me like, they're miserable folks, aren't they? They're never happy for anyone. And little did I know I'd struck gold with the assessment tool. That's what it is. That's what it is. Think about it. You know, we can all get a little bit jealous of, oh, he's doing much better than me, you know. But I get embarrassed when I get like that, then I apologize to myself and them, you know. It's like, I want people to do well. If I'm feeling a little bit insecure, it can, oh, you know, he or she's doing great. But of course I want them to do well. And I know at a deeper level that brings me happiness, you know. To share in someone's joy, in their success, to to will someone along, to kind of cheerlead them. Come on, I want you to do really well. Da -da 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 -da. I believe in you. And again, the Stevie Nicks reference in the end. I'm putting a lot on poor old Stevie. I'm gonna that we'll touch into this quite a lot. What what it means to have deep, real good connection. But these people, and who, and and again, it's not about calling. As I said, really important. It's not about trying to diagnose them. It's about knowing for yourself. God, I'm around someone who fails to be able to be happy or even okay with someone else's happiness or success. They have contempt, disdain, they'll drag it down, they'll pull it down, they'll do it openly or they'll do it in a subtle way, they'll do it online, they'll do it in some way. They'll always drag people down. You just can't leave people be. Just It's like it's like kryptonite. It's like they, they're they allergic to it. It's like something happens. They think they're going to die if they allow someone else to be happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like their fuel. They, they, they thrive off hatred. Pretty fucked up, isn't it? But that's the way. That's the truth. Anyway, I'm not talking about those people here. They, they, they may creep in a little bit to this stuff because they'll do all those games. They'll just do them in a very gaslighty way. You know. I'm not talking about them. I'm just talking about you know, what I called... Yeah, the other the other thing I got I got challenged about was you know, what, you can't be calling them immature personalities. That was a bit judgmental of you. 
okay, I accept that. Maybe it is. You know, and again, maybe that was immature of me. I'm okay. I'm open to that. But uh, let's say incompatible then, you know, that aren't. And I ask whoever's challenging me, there are certain people that are incompatible with you. You might like them, but they're incompatible. You don't share the same X factor, whatever that is, you know, that, that opens you into that kind of uh, group or crew or, or, or gang or, or click or connection, good click, like, you know, you know, um, that's, that's really what I'm saying. Okay. So I'm inviting you to examine, that's a very scientific word, isn't it? Though? Examine your own psyche. Look deep into who you are, what you need, what you want. What is all about choices? What makes you choose certain relationships and why? And are you conscious that you're choosing them? That's really a big part of this as well. In terms of knowing what you, you know, I don't mean like you have a shopping list. Um, okay, can I interview you now? You occasionally you can. <laughs> I can take it on the odd day, but not all the, do you know what I mean? I don't mean that way. I mean, where you really just know, they say know thyself, where you know to the best of your ability who you are and what you're drawn to and why. If you're a sadomasochistic and you know that about yourself and you kind of, you want that kind of thing constantly and you know it and it gives you a buzz with a consenting adult, happy fucking days. It's not just freeing to know who you are. But seriously, be, be yourself, you know. Um, oh, that reminds me, Reds are I have been having a sneak peek. I'm lying, not a sneak peek. We've been watching quite religiously Big Brother. It's back in, back in town again. And the reason we watch um, is from the kind of social, experimental, psychological standpoint. I think I said this earlier. Relationships, looking at what happens. Why would you go on that show? I'm fascinated by that. Why would you go on? They tend to be much younger, of course. What are you looking for? The kind of stuff I'm talking about. What's, who, who connects with who, who gets into whose gang, all that type of stuff. And two, two gay lads, oh yeah, I presume they're gay, um, who are really nice fellas. I think they're, one's real sullen, but he kind of plays the game. De devastatingly handsome guy, Darko, what's his name? I can't think of his name. But he, it, it's it's a, a game that doesn't hurt people. He's playing as like, I'm really sullen and dark, but he's real vulnerable, really. Lovely, lovely. Very, very handsome dude. And this kind of other guy who's a kind of a, an upper tough type of guy, but he's lovely. Very sensitive, funny type of guy. I can't think of their, their names. Those two. Anyway, they, last night's one, they started to kiss quite passionately in the hot tub. Now, I like women, but there was something kind of erotic about the way they did it, I have to tell you. Didn't particularly want to be in there with them, but I thought, that's quite beautiful. It was passionate, it was sexy, it was warm, it was open. Now, a couple of the other housemates, as they call them, Started to do a bit of re Hayworth and fucking do back some. Oh my God, what's going on? And we're actually quite homophobic about the whole fucking thing. You know, it was not a good look. It did not look good. The, in the British public, they either, when they have their conversation afterwards, either just brushed over it or didn't really comment on it. But I thought it was quite disgraceful, actually, the way grown adults, you know. I mean, if you wanted to joke, you could say, you two get a fucking room, we'll just, you know. 
but they couldn't enjoy it. They couldn't enjoy these two men who'd been flirting with each other for weeks on end and, and, and finally, boom, had a lovely connection. Just a thought. Um, please send in your answers on a postcard. What's going on there? I must see you at once. Um, I was watching, watching one of the films earlier on. That's what they said. At once. I must see you at once. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was really, really interesting. You know? There you go. What, what got me onto Big Brother? Can't think. That was a non sequitur. Who cares? So, staying with the mid-80s, right? There was, I mean, the guy's still alive, but the band, they disbanded. A band from Newcastle, a fantastic band, up-and-coming band called Martin Stevenson and the Dainties. They were out the same time as Aztec Camera and who was the Deacon Blue, maybe fabulous band. There was another band, but this band were were tipped to be like the big, big thing, and they were just on the verge of being enormous. I think a combination of addiction and Martin Stevenson's disdain of the whole system, you know, it, it didn't happen anyway in that way. But they had a cult following. They were just an extraordinary band, right? I loved them, and this is really relevant to all I'm talking about because. Uh, there's, there's a song they have called Holy Humble Heart from 1988 from the album and make sure you hear this loud and clear Gladsome Humour and Blue right because I really want you to listen to this song but I'm really urging you to listen to the version on the original version from the Gladsome Humour and Blue album right Redzer actually bought me it on vinyl. I had it on CD, I have it on CD, I had it on tape back in the mid-80s, and Reds have bought me the vinyl of this album because she knows it's one of my favourite albums of theirs. Um, anyway, Spotify and iTunes, iTunes is the one I use because I have an iPhone, all my playlists are there, in their wisdom, have everything by Martin Stevens and the Dainties except that album. Now what the fuck's that about? They had the same with the John Martin album I was after as well. <laughs> Fucking annoying me. Like the milk, it was really, what? Why is that? Didn't seem to make any sense, but you couldn't get it for love nor money. You get all, there are all the great versions of Holy Humble Heart you will find on Spotify by Martin Steens and the Dainties, but you will not find the gladsome humour and blue. If you do, tell me, because I want to. So I'm in the process of trying to, you can get it on iTunes. Oh, sorry, no, you can't on um, YouTube. My apologies. Yeah, but you can get music on YouTube. I'm in the process of trying to suss out how to download from YouTube onto an iTunes list, onto my playlist, if you get me. So I recommend you go to YouTube and you type in Martin Steens and the Dainties, Holy Humble Heart. And then from Gladsome Humour and Blue, it's got to be from that album. Now I'm saying that you mightn't even like this version, but it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous version. The drumming, the bass, the bass, the guitar, his voice, his vocals are, he's got a very, very beautiful voice. Lyrically, it's amazing. It's got a lot of mystery in it and stuff, right? So it kind of goes, every man must have a castle and feel a hand caress his nape. Yes, everybody needs a good friend to give their secrets to. I too am no exception. I too need to be loved. I too desire a good friend. Hopefully that is you. Very vulnerable, I love it. There is no time to kiss the statue. Someone who purely looks the part, who will transcend unto another. Holy humble heart. 
it's great great fucking chord structure to it lovely groove you'll instantly love it right the backing harmonies are just exquisite on it and it's got that kind of i love the vulnerability i too desire a good friend hopefully that is you it's an openness to the warmth so i'm choosing that song because musically it's it's brilliant right without whatever meaning you give it but it's capturing the very meaning i'm talking about in this podcast that's where I live, right in there somewhere. It's like, that's, that's what would move. If someone, uh, a man or woman contacted me or was in touch and said, uh, do you like Martin Steves and the Dainties? I say, yeah, yeah. And if they happened to say, do you love the album, Glad Some Humor and Blue? I'd faint. It's like, right, we're friends for life. Do, do you get me? That's what I mean. And if they said, you know the version of Holy Humble Heart isn't that the best of that you know what I mean because I've spoke to other people that like Brent Stevens and they don't agree that's the best version of the song but uh, there you go great great song from 1988 brilliant memories again of Ballymun through the 80s and that song was very inspiring for me uh, helping me understand who I was because sometimes it's not an intellectual process you can who am I it's when I, you know, when you hear something and it hits you and it moves you, then you, oh, that's who I am. Okay. Or you see someone or something happens, you know, I, I don't know if it's just something you can conjure up. Maybe it usually is an interaction with other humans or another creature, or maybe a connection with an animal or, you know, uh, some kind of loving interaction with another being or with nature in some way. And um, I think I've said this before, so it's almost like, the spirit reflects back to you who you are when something beautiful occurs. It's like, oh, okay. I love Allah, you know. So you can see I'm quite passionate about that song. Now, I don't love everything by Martin Steens and the Dainties. I like a lot of their songs. That album in particular, another song called Slaughterman. Very hard to get as well, which is brilliant. But anyway, Stay With Holy Humble Heart. What a great title, you know. And lovely memories of, of being in... Uh, Number one, James Connolly Tower. That was Noel's flat at the time. Sitting around, playing chess with Noel, actually. We used to play chess all night. You know, loser makes the tea on a proper chess board. Because I'm playing now online, it's not the same. Proper chess board, get the telly off, get the music on. And we play, and we play Martin Stevenson and all them great tunes and have lovely conversations. Um, great times, thank you, Noel. Uh, good friend, very good friend. Okay, so I think I shall move on. I must. I feel I must. Reds are reminding me of something so funny. And you know your woman, Judge Judy. You know the uh, that kind of the New York, the judge. Look at me. Look at me. Sit down when I'm talking to you. Did I tell you to talk? Did I tell you? Sit down. <laughs> it's great. He's fucking great. You'd love to get her at Trump, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? You aren't a piece of shit. Sit down when I'm talking to you. Um, anyway, she said, Reds are told me that Judge Judy said, Beauty fades, dumb is forever. <laughs> Beauty fades, dumb is forever. I love it. I love it. It's so relevant to what I'm talking about here because that's another version of, you know, well, they're always going to be a cunt, you know. You might be a cunt in a moment when we're a bit off. Oh, but they're always going to be one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's kind of true, isn't it? Because if it's in the, the you know, if it's not a friendship or a, a collegial thing or and you're, you find yourself attracted to someone, 
yes, aesthetically, you might find him or her to be attractive looking. That might be a, a, a first thing you might see. Um, this is a conversation I have a lot in, in work as well with clients and stuff, you know, around, and what was it, and what was it then? You know, what, it doesn't keep you. You can get by on that for a little while, he or she, but if that's all you are, then you're kind of vanilla, aren't you? You know what I mean? And if, if you believe that's all you are, I'm, I'm not saying that's all someone is, it's the belief. If someone really connects with, well, I'm really good looking. I know men and women like that. I think we all do. Uh, and they, their value is their looks, which are going to fade. What's going to happen then? When it all comes tumbling down, if that person doesn't believe they have anything else about them, you know, um, that's why it's, it's and, and I say this in no um, self-depreciating way, to be kind of not necessarily uh, uh, seen as an aesthetically handsome person. I know I'm attractive. I know lots of, you know, so it, you kind of develop something else then, don't you? It's like, because as I said, good looks will take you so far, but there's got to be something else. Great looking women, but there's nothing else there. It's not sexy, you know. Uh, character, when someone has a bit of character about them, a man or a woman, you know. It's fucking great. That's there forever. That's who someone is. And even when whatever looks you have fade, that still shines out of you. That's what I love. You know, I love that. So beauty fades, dumb is forever. Although, in a way, it's a little bit unfair because maybe if the person realizes, look, you're more than your looks and maybe you don't believe you are, but get in there and, and find out, find out who you are. And you've obviously got some distortion going on that that's what makes you attractive. It, it isn't. You know, and it'll fade very, very quickly. You know, find out what else is there. What what else, you know? And, and it can be simple stuff. You don't have to look for it. Just the unique way somebody does something, the way you speak, the way you move, the way you, you know, that's something about somebody. You just, you, you say, I don't know what it is. There's something about him. I love, there's something about her. It's that something. Now that's the mystery, Right? Not the other kind that you're playing games to try cultivate. The mystery is when you don't even know you have it. There you go. Okay. So, I was very lucky um, at times when I also was very unlucky. In when I was the brief time I was in secondary school, I was in Greendale Community School for a very brief time before I was expelled. But in my time there, I had a couple of fantastic teachers and I have made reference to them in podcasts before, I think. And Maya Lee was one of them. Um, now Maya Glacken. Lovely, caring, lovely hippie chick at the time. Beautiful human being. And Dara McCarney. Hippie dude. Right, great. Here's me, our teacher. And... This is the 70s, so everything was vinyl, albums. I loved albums because album covers were always brilliant, especially like Led Zeppelin's and bands like Yes and Genesis had these fantastic album covers. The album Rumours, before I heard it, I knew Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, the old crew, but when they became this new Fleetwood Mac, I just saw the album cover and it's, that, it's kind of like a, is it a yellowy type of cover, golden kind of cover with Mick Fleetwood with his foot up on a stool and he's with Stevie Nicks. You can't see her fully. It's like, oh my God, who's that? And he's they're there in this kind of pose. 
and immediately turned around. I've been in love with Stevie Nicks ever since. You know, she was one of my first teenage crushes on a, a, a woman, you know. Anyway, Dermot Carney knew this. I never got into trouble in his class. Double air class, hour and a half, not a peep out of me. So he'd have me design an album covers. Fucking brilliant. And what else he would do, he'd bring in albums with the record play and play music while we were doing art. And he'd be like, he'd be experimenting. So he'd be bringing in like Led Zeppelin, you know. Hey, mom said the way you move, Black Dog. I made reference to that before. That's where I first heard it. That album. He bought in, he had great ver- you know, variety of tastes. I first heard Tapestry by Carl King, which I fell in love with in 1975. He bought that in. He brought in Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, you know, all these great bands, Steely Dan, you know, wow, what sounds are these? But I first came across Supertramp. I heard the, I'd heard the music, but I didn't really know them. He bought in Supertramp and he bought in the album, um, cause they've got great album covers, great names, even in the quietest moment. I think it's a picture of a piano out in the rain or the snow, if I'm not mistaken, or on a roof or something, you know. And on that album, great album, is the song Give a Little Bit. And that song is completely appropriate to what I'm talking about here. Because even though they were kind of an art house band, kind of out there, you know, very cool, arty type, Give a Little Bit was very simple. Lovely acoustic intro. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to me. If you give a little bit, I'll give you a little bit of my love. There's so much that we need to share. So send a smile, show you care. Wow. And I remember how that hit me. The music hit me, but the, the idea hit me in terms of somehow I knew this is what it's all about. So this isn't flash in the pan stuff that you can have. It's an attitude that lasts. Somehow listening to that song at that time, being me being 14, smashed into my heart and thought, yes. I recognize that. It's about give and take, isn't it? It's about sending a smile to someone. You know, the simple stuff, but the deep stuff and the stuff we're afraid of. And it came through Super Tramp's Give a Little Bit. I love Super Tramp, Breakfast in America, Take the Long Way Home, all that stuff. Great name for a band, isn't it? Super Tramp, you know? And at the time, I was like, uh, I wanted to feel a bit intellectual and sophisticated. Yeah, Super Tramp. I'm so like, so I like Bowie. I like Super Tramp, you know? Um, Hunky Dory Boy, Rebel Rebel, very, very quickly. I had this uncovered memory recently. I was listening to Rebel Rebel. Um, great tune, great beat from the Diamond Dogs album, 1974. And this was again about 1975. And I'm in the shopping centre in Kilbarrick, the old shopping centre, up where Madigan's was, up where the, near where the flats used to be. And you could go in. You used to try to go in to keep out of, out of the cold, you know, and the security guards would be fucking you out. But it had all the, the shops in it and the chemist, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. But it had a record shop, as, as, as shopping centers often did. And in the record shop, they'd have a, a speaker just outside of the shop and it'd play, be playing music, you know. And I used to go in all the time to look at all the albums. I'd, I'd be hours in there looking at albums. God, what's this? Who's this? But this particular day, I was looking for a couple of the mates. I think I was meant to meet them up there at some time. And I lived quite near that shopping center. So I just walked up and I could hear. Just as I was walking around the corner, I heard Rebel Rebel belt now. And I'll never forget this sight. It was the most beautiful sight. There was these two young, well, I'd say girls, young women. They were, they were older sisters of friends of mine, right? So they were about 17, 18. I'm 14. 
and the two of them, one of them had the Bowie hairstyle with the spikes and the red hair, they were dancing and they were kind of jiving but not jiving. They were doing two, just outside the record shop, just standing there. It, it was like, wow, what a beautiful sight. So I kind of, I was naturally drawn up and I knew the two of them, obviously, because I hung around with their younger brothers. And one of them caught my eye and gave me a wink and says, Jimmy, come on in, you love Bowie, dance for us. And I did, just for a couple of minutes. I was terrified, my friends would come along and catch me. And it was the loveliest moment, that moment with these, you know when an older man or woman takes interest in you, you feel kind of special. And I'm bopping away to Rebel Rebel, feeling like, yeah, I'm a Bowie fan. I'm so sophisticated with these two women that we all fucking fancied the life out of, you know. And they liked me and it lasted, boom, just a moment. But I'd forgotten about that memory and it popped back into my mind. And it made me think about uh, dissociation how sometimes we can dissociate good memories because maybe they're attached because that was a very lonely time. I think something unpleasant had happened. You know, I think I spoke before, I think on Betty Blue, that I've no memory of when she lunged to stab my dad. I'd no memory of taking the knife off her, you know, and then the joke was you shouldn't let her do it and all that jazz. Completely forgot. Desi said it to me one day. I said, are you, forgot? are you making that up? This was the same. I thought, whoa. So just another little corridor there. Sometimes we can disso dissociate from a good memory for a couple of reasons. One, it may be tagged on to something unpleasant because there was a, a whole backdrop of sadness and loneliness and confusion going on inside of me, my 14-year-old little soul. But also, you know that paradox when you remember something good, you realize how bad things are? It's that kind of paradox. Like when you get a hug and you kind of get real sad because you're going to go, God, I've been missing this. So when I, those two uh, beautiful women, they were gorgeous in soul, kind, fun loving, saw me and asked me to step in with them in their little moment of dancing to Bowie's uh, Rebel Rebel. In that moment, the three of us were just free. For, and I know them too, they were having tough lives, you know, for what was going on with them. Just that moment, you know, could have been half a minute, 30 seconds, because I was really paranoid the, the guys would come along. What are you fucking dancing with them for? You know, blah, blah, blah. Because um, I'd never danced without being filled with alcohol or benalin or Actifed or something, something that, that made me not care what other people thought. I didn't care. I was free and the two women were free and there was a lovely love, energy and kindness. And then it just fizzled out and off I went, you know, to see them again. I always get embarrassed when I see them, you know. I think one of them knew I had a bit of a crush on her and she kind of played on it a bit. All right, Jimmy, she give me a little wink. <laughs> uh, really cute. Anyway, that was the, the Rebel Rebel. I knew I'd written that in there, boys, Rebel Rebel. Um, and again, even listening to that song, you know, Hot Tramp, I Love You So beautiful guitar and great drumming brilliant so again how much our music for i think a lot of people not just me is is woven in and out of our souls and our memories and and shaping who we are and who we're going to become i suppose you know. now from the film baby driver that i referenced there's some t-rex references because i think the the girl's name in the film is Deborah. And uh, if you may or may not know, early T-Rex, he has a song called Deborah. Played at a weird rhythm of rids. Anyway, I won't even get into that. Um, but T-Rex, 
Mark Bolden is often the cool king of irony, I think. The understated sometimes the way he says things, right? And in 1971, when he was at his height of fame, from the Electric Warrior album, he had this brilliant song called Life's a Gas. I remember listening to her, and I always had a kind of a, a sad, a subtle sadness running through it. I didn't know at that time that was called irony, right? So he's kind of saying in the song, you know, when you're just nearly over someone, you're just around the corner, you can just feel a tiny bit of a vapor trail from what what was good, but you're kind of almost like there. You just they're in the rear view mirror and you're you're on your way, but there's a tiny little bit. So this song is kind of about that, where you're kind of saying it doesn't matter to you anymore. It does a little bit, but not a lot, right? So he says, um, I could have loved you, girl, like a planet. I could have changed your changed your heart to a star. But it really doesn't matter at all. No, it really doesn't matter at all. Life's a gas. As kind of a, an irony, shoulder shrugging, whatever, you know. And life is a gas, isn't it? You know, it's that we're able to laugh at yourself, you know, where he's free enough now to be out of it. It really doesn't matter to me, but it does a little bit. Life's a gas. And in the end, he says, I hope it's going to last. Great, great song. Um, again, that's woven into my, say, teenage years, early child, yeah, late childhood, kind of 12, 13, 14, I remember that song. Um, Life's a gas. Yeah, and then there's the baby driver reference, you know? Um, yeah. So, I probably am going to draw to a close relatively soon. A couple more songs to explore and to also, uh, I'm asking, I'm inviting you to look at what, what moves you, what turns you on, what floats your boat, and I'm letting you know through the music I'm choosing where I am, where I've come from, where I'm going, what I want to connect with, what I have connected with. I'm very happy to be in connection with, you know. And the song, Out of the Sinking, Reds and I love this. We were talking about it recently. Our love of Paul Weller as an artist from his time with the Jam and the Style Council. But his solo work just went up another level, I felt. And from the Stanley Road album, I think it's 1994-95, this is a great album. But this particular song called Out of the Sinking came, right? And it's brilliant for quite a few reasons. Musically, top draw the back and vocals the harmonies are superb the rhythm change has a specific rhythm change it's the kind of song when you hear it, you kind of go oh yeah i know that but you didn't know it was called this do you know that way you go oh yeah it was used in different things ads and different things but i you know it's great because a lovely rhythm change and a beautiful use of drums bass and and guitar right but lyrically and energetically it's right in the core of what i'm talking about right so he says, hey, baby, just say what you're thinking. No, I know it. And now I know you feel it too. Right. There's a connection across the water. There's a boat that we can both sail away. Right. It'll take us away. Brilliant. So the, that's the symbolic piece there. No, there may actually be a boat, but the connection, we're in the same boat together. It'll take us away. Right. It's shining for me. All I need to be, but I can't find the way. I can't find the key. The one to make me believe. Across the water, there's a boat that will take us away. It's when you have that lovely connection with someone and you realize this is also going to be part of helping me out of this unpleasant space. 
no, no one person can, not, I'm not saying meeting someone can resolve everything for you, but meeting the right type of people can really ease you out where you can, that rear view mirror is getting further and further away. You're into a, oh, this is what I like. That's what I read from that. That's the symbology of the boat. We can sail away. I know you feel it too. Across the water, there's a boat that will take us away. Musically stunning, stunning. It's called Out of the Sinking by Paul Weller. Even if you don't attach the same meaning to it, it's a cracking song, you know, beautiful rhythm changes and so forth. All right. Okay. Nearly there, guys. Nearly there. Suppose I'm thinking, oh, Stevie Nicks, wasn't it? Get back to Stevie. Good old Stevie. Stevie has many quotes from her songs and also just kind of, she's into the, she's in recovery as far as I remember. Um, and she's trying to live that spiritual life, that good life that we're all trying to live, want to live, <clears throat> which isn't, you know, not, not making anybody special, but just wanting to, to reach out to something a little bit more than the mundane, but being okay with the mundane, right? We've got to accept things as they are, but it's okay to reach out. So she's got these lovely sayings, but there's a very, very simple one she said that I thought, yeah, how fucking cool is that? And it's as simple as this. If you are gracious, you've won the game. If you're gracious, you've won the game. I think it's interesting the word game is there. I know we refer life, the game of life and all of that. And I'm talking about the games people play and some of those head games just you know, get under my skin and irritate me a bit. They're not fun for me and I know other people like them. But they get the game, it's interesting. So she's saying, because it's all about, and I think she's using the word win here in the positive sense, not not having power over. So if you're gracious, you've won the game, whatever little encounter you're in. And what is gracious but kindness, courtesy, warmth, respect? They're all qualities of graciousness. And I think it's the sexiest quality on the planet to be gracious, man, woman, or beast. You know, you'd have to bow down to that when someone is gracious, when someone, uh, you, can, you can tell, I can tell by the way someone relates to me. You know, I can feel that from them. And I'm instantly attracted to them, even if it's a man, of it not necessarily sexually. I want to be in that energy with them. You know, they've won the game. They've won the game. So if we're both gracious, we both won the game. There's no competition in any bad way. I think it's a stunning piece of insight from the wonderful Stevie Nicks. I think it's uh, the end of a bigger quote around it's it's in your heart and stuff like that. But it ends with, if you are gracious, you've won the game. And I think that sums up really. I think any kind of, you can have nice pleasant games there, but all those silly games will drop away if you're gracious. There's no space for it, it just won't, they don't go together, you know? So I'm gonna finish with a song of hers from one of her many solo albums. It's from the album uh, Trouble in Shangri-La from 2001. I love the album, um, being a big Stevie Nicks fan. And the song's called, That Made Me Stronger. 
Reds and I have a joke about this. She loves Stevie Nicks, but she, she's got this real weird vibe. That's a bit too country for me. And then she'll send me a song by someone. What do you think of that? It's real country. So we have, a, what do you fucking mean, you know? This is obviously some kind of twang she hears in these great songs that just, she misses them though because she's got this allergy to a particular type of country country song. But um, anyway, I love it. And I know she loves what it's about, right? So it's that quality just to finish off with, with along with the graciousness that underpins everything, right? It's the quality of... I suppose the opposite of the Darkos, really wanting the best for your friend, for your lover, for your sibling, for your colleague, wanting them to grow, wanting to encourage them to be their best self. You know, that space, it's not just that I'm going to be nice to you, I'll, I want you to develop, I want you to grow, I want you to be the unique person you're meant to be. I want to enjoy your successes. I want to push, for want of a better term, you further, harder, into a better place for yourself within reason you know if you say like that's as far as i can go okay almost like a coach would come on you can go like come on you can do it that feel and that's what this song gives me right and she's saying well the conversation rings in my head well you know me better than i know myself will you write this song for me he said no write the song yourself that made me stronger that made me hold on to me couple of key lines there so obviously as a songwriter a poet she's saying would you write that for me he's saying or it could be she no i'm not gonna do it for you do it yourself because you're you're brilliant at it <laughs> that's what i'm getting from that right you know and it made me stronger it made me hold on to me you know and i, I spoke before about there's two ways we can hold on to ourselves unhealthily in a tense way or we can hold on to ourselves in a dignified, beautiful way. That's kind of a letting go, holding on, if you get me. So that made me stronger. It made me hold on to me. What a wonderful gift to offer someone to make them stronger and hold on to themselves. Right? She goes on to say, Well, once more, I tell the shadows of my soul to stay back. So when the shadows are coming in, we all know that. that the darkness can descend. You're saying, stay back. Right? She says, everything has changed now and I don't want to go back. And there's nothing you can say will change my mind. No, I don't want to go back and nothing you can say will change my mind. Everything has changed now. And you know, I love that because she's obviously waving goodbye to what she doesn't want and she's connecting with what she does want. And there's nothing you can say to make me go back to that. We can all have that experience, can't we? You know, it's like a cyclical thing. It's like, oh, no, I'm not going back there. Everything has changed now because I've encountered, I've got a taste of what I really like, what I really love. God, there's no way I'm going back to that other place, that group, that, 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 that whatever it might be. Why would I? I have this now. I have, I'm connecting in with someone who wants who I am and what I'm about and has the graciousness to treat me that way and vice versa. Just love it. Great. I think it's a great funky tune. Everything has changed now, and I don't want to go back. You know, we don't want to go back to shit, right? And there's nothing you can say would change my mind. And that's not stubbornness, that's resolute, that's kind of tenacity. I'm not going to go back to, you know, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going back there. Do you know? Why would I? Look what I have, look, what I, look at who I am now. I just love that feeling, you know? 
So I'm going to leave you there uh, to thank everybody again for the continued support. Thanks, Jer, my editor, who's a real cool, cool guy, great guy, Jer from Ballymore. Um, and thank you all for your continued feedback, support and everything. Um, if you feel the five star rating is worth it, please do so. If you don't, you don't. Um, and, you know, I'm always open to feedback. And I will be talking to you again, hopefully next week. Um, on what? I don't know. There's a couple of interviews coming up. I'm not sure with the Mad Christmas Rush, whether they'll be this side of Christmas or not. They may be. It depends on me, Jer, and them, all, all us getting our times together. Um, but I'm sure we can do that. And either way, I'll be chatting to you real soon. Hope you're well. Um, love to you all. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to contact me about the content or any question or comment you have about the podcast, you can do so on thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So, The Twilight Conversations is an independent production. If you'd like to contribute towards the making of the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash thetwilightconversations.